Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two guys who always manage to cover the spread. What's up, Chuck and Gene? That is a solemn introduction. Bros. <laughs> if that's the takeaway from this game, it's like, oh, we covered the spread. <laughs> um, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zelak. You can find me at Producer Gene. And even I don't have anything snarky about this one. <laughs> bros, bros, bros. This is not how we wanted to come tonight. What no. I mean, we lost. We're out of the playoffs. It's just so deflating. And it was like one of those things where you kind of knew that it was, this was a possibility and a very real possibility, but it was hard not to, like by Thursday or Friday of this week, to kind of get caught up in the hype. And well, really... that's where I wanted to start tonight. What was your mindset like going through the week and even even today? Like, what what were your expectations of this game? What did you think was going to happen? What were you stealing yourself for? How did that all flush out for you? For, for me, I was pretty consistent through the week of really low expectations, sort of already going like, well, it was a good season. You know, we, we I got my wish, uh, playoffs and a, a playoff win. You know, we're, we're going to lose to a better team or at least a team that's healthier and better, whatever the case may be. And I, I was holding out hope. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe just another miracle or, some dumb luck or whatever up until the Cowboys lost <laughs> when the Cowboys lost to the Rams and the way the Rams looked winning. Like my eyes got really wide. Cause I'm like, if we get past the saints, we're going to the super bowl and I- I'll stick by that right now. We'll talk about the game later, but I'm thinking if we won today, we, I, I'd, I'd say we're going to, we would trounce the Rams. I was just looking at their defense and and how they're playing against Dallas, I I was like, wow! If we can beat the Saints, we're going to the Super Bowl. And I woke up this morning really optimistic. Like I, I I sent a text out to you guys. I'm like, logically, I tell you to bet the house against the Eagles, but in my heart, I really I was really feeling win. Well, and kind of watching in the weekend as as all of the favorites were were winning, I just had this feeling like we were the ones that could kind of buck that trend today. So it was hard not to get caught up all week listening to talk radio and stuff and having everybody being like, oh, yeah, no, it's not even going to be close, and we got the revenge factor. And one of the things that kept coming up was we're going to catch the Saints flat. They're going to come out after a two-week layoff, hmm. and if we can just catch them flat and go up big early, we could probably ride our way home. And I felt like as it was happening in, in the beginning of the game, I was like, oh, my God, that that's what's happening. We've, we've, they've come out flat. They, they, they've made mistakes early. We're going to jump on this team. We're up 14 points. Holy shit, this is this is it could really happen. And... It obviously didn't pan out, but like it was just so even into literally into the start of the game, it was so hard not to get so excited. The way we won last week, mm-hmm. it was so hard not to be so fired up and so hyped for this game. Even though, like I know I've watched a lot of the Saints this week, like this year, they're the team I think is the best in the NFL, like by a long shot. They're very balanced. They 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 can put up fifty points anytime they want, but. It was it, it was that so I, f- I felt like this was the better team. The Saints were going to win tonight. That's what I said last week. I, I kind of stick by that, but I was really caught up in the hype. So I went into the game hyped up, and slowly my energy dwindled over the course of the the game. But that's how I went in. Very much a tale of two seasons for us. It's kind of it's weird because I feel like we got jobbed out of half of a half of a football season as Eagles fans. Like anything that happened before the Rams game, almost like what team was that? That was not the team that I've been watching for the last two months. Um, so our season really didn't even get started until that Rams game. I hate to say it, but the season didn't really start until Nick Foles 
took over as quarterback again. Um, and you know, the bears game was great. And now it's going into the saints. I did. I going into the saints game all week. I was kind of preparing myself for the loss, like rationalizing it in my mind, like trying to not stay as emotional. But then as the weekend came, I started to feel this pressure building and it was a lot of it had to do with fear of the Cowboys advancing <laughs> to the championship game and us losing. Uh, so it was weird when the Cowboys lost. I felt this like weight lifted from my shoulders and almost like, okay, now I can go into this game and actually watch it and have some fun. And the way it started, those bastards had to score 14 points right off the jump. And all of a sudden my expectations changed immediately to now we need to win this game. right there with you of you know i was saying i'm like i'm I'm not being logical you know i'll get a bit of a wake-up call pretty quick and then it was like 14 nothing and i'm like stay calm stay calm stay calm but i didn't i failed at staying calm i really really thought i'm like oh my god we're going to win this game yeah and then it was like 14 6 and 14 13 and then even when it was 14 20 i mean you still think you have a chance somehow it's like you need to score again after the first 10 minutes of a football game uh i'm pretty sure we could find a way to score one more against this defense um but i guess it was not to be guess it was not to be so what surprised you about this game other than, you know, was was this the game that you kind of thought you would see? Did you expect no, that the, the, the Saints were going to come in? Team, and Yeah, I expected both teams to, to score much more than they did. Um, I don't know what the over-under was for this game, but I'm almost certainly under one by a lot. Yeah, I think it was close to 45. Yeah, um, which, you know... <sighs> When we talk about the loss, you know, we could do the talk radio thing like who's the who do you think's the most to blame for the loss? Is it Doug? Is it Jim? Is it Alshon? You know, um, but no, seriously, who do you think is most to blame for the loss? I think it's the Saints. <laughs> and, and like, and I, I mean, Sean Payton to a certain degree. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd love to say that there was a particularly bad eagle, but I feel like Doug maybe didn't get it didn't his game plan didn't kind of it's almost like it it ran out of something in the second second quarter or or he just didn't have the personnel I don't know. Like, I didn't feel like he was getting totally outcoached. I certainly didn't feel like Jim Schwartz. I mean, that that offense is a good offense. To keep that offense at bay as long as they did with how they kind of became the walking wounded in the second quarter. And I hate to go back to injuries, but, like, I feel like this is a beat-up team, and, and they've been held together with, with duct tape and, and glue for for weeks. So the fact that they were able to, to hold on this far into the season, basically with their back against a wall, may, like win or go home for a month now, it's it's amazing to me that they, they were within one possession and, and late in the game, as late in the game as they were, and leading at halftime. That To me, I, I can't fault Jim Schwartz. I'd love to fault Jim Schwartz, but a lot of what he did defensively, really we got beat by two guys. We got beat by Drew Brees, and we got beat by Michael Thomas. We had yeah. no answer for Michael Thomas. Zero answer for Michael Thomas. We held the running game absolutely in check. The plan had to have been going in, we're going to not let them run on us. And for three quarters of the game, they couldn't run on us. They absolutely couldn't. This is a team that both of these these running backs are, are pro bowl caliber running backs these guys have have train roll uh, have have trucked other teams and we were holding them in check they 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 couldn't do anything on first down for, on the ground you know here's the thing all I, I was at a i was at a party watching the game and all i heard was got to get pressure got to get pressure on breeze why isn't why isn't short sending anyone uh, pressure, pressure, pressure. There's no pressure. Why do we only send four? Well, if I told you that, you know, we were going to hold a team that on average scores 31 points a game to 20 and Drew Brees, a Hall of Fame quarterback, was going to uh, throw for 300 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, a quarterback rating of like 66, um, and they weren't going to be able to move the ball on the ground. I am taking that 
every single time. This is not the defense's fault. I mean, yet look, third and 15, there's a lot of third and longs that the Saints were able to convert. Could we have blitzed somebody? Yeah. Uh, But, I mean, I'm going to trust Jim Schwartz's decision-making process on this. I mean, you have a secondary that is shredded. And, you know, we're talking about when uh, Rasul was down for a while. Um, Maddox got hurt towards the end of the game. And then, you're, you know, Cox was in and out. Um, who else Who else from that line was? Oh, Bennett um, was down Bennett, for a bit. Yeah, Bennett was down for a little bit. If we started blitzing people, Drew Brees would have picked us the hell apart. Well, that's the oh, thing yeah. is if we had blitzed, instead of those being like third down conversions, they would have been touchdowns. Like that, that's I, that's what it is. Is is the reason why we the, Jim Schwartz is, was his whole plan was you're not going to run us and you're not going to beat us for forty yards. Like yeah, I mean we stopped the thing that we have the capability to stop, and you know we, we they did their best and I think they did a pretty damn good job. To be honest with you, yeah. No, if you had told me that the Saints were going to get twenty, I'd have been like, we're going to win this game. Like that first pick was marvelous. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and and yeah. that's how we had to go in and play defensively. Uh, actually, I would give probably the top marks to, to Jim Schwartz because of all of the people coming off that first game, I feel like he may had the hardest job to adjust to. And I think absolutely the defense had the biggest improvement from the first Ram, uh, first Saints game. Because they looked horrible in that first game, and they absolutely resurrected themselves in this game. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Gene. And then also, like the those third and longs weren't easy. They weren't gimmies. You know, Breeze showed a lot of patience in there. You know, okay, yeah, it wasn't you know a, a heavy pressure, but he was getting some pressure, and you know, threaded the needle, found the right guy. You know, he made you know third and long. Like God, I feel like so many times we had him on. You know, first and twenty due to holding penalties and and whatever, that you know a lesser quarterback wouldn't have even put up twenty. You know, yeah. a different quarterback, we you know wouldn't have converted those third downs, wouldn't have put them in a place to get the field goals that they did. No, I mean, it was frustrating to see. The, those third down conversions, it was frustrating to see them move the ball, but we held a incredibly dynamic offensive team to twenty. And in two That's different a spots, win. That's a huge one. In two different spots, we held them to field goals when touchdowns absolutely would have buried us, absolutely yeah. would have completely taken us out of the game. And twice we were able to hold them to three instead of seven. Um, Gene, you mentioned you couldn't really think of a an eagle that had like a particularly bad game. I was thinking um, on defense. Yeah. How does how does this sound? Um 18 for 31, 201 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. That, that four, 49 QBR. That that's not great. No, and that pick to Ertz, though, you know, when he was throwing to Ertz, it was underthrown by a lot off his back foot, and it was real I mean, we were getting points on that drive. You know, Dave, you had said, like, oh, we're not going to do the talk radio question, but, yeah, let's do the talk radio question of who do you blame for that loss. I'm going to say I blame uh, Doug and, you know, Nick Foles for not, you know, keeping a better eye on their magic meter. You know, we we ran out of magic in that game, and that's just just poor magic management because – Nick Foles, you know, his Cinderella story ended after those two touchdowns. It was Super Bowl MVP and then, you know, journeyman, you know, uh, quarterback. You know, that conversion happened real, real quick. Yeah. uh, Well, he he did learn his magic management from Andy (laughs) Reid. Yeah. Yeah. Use your magic all up in the first, like first quarter it's just poor call (laughs) and like calling ice three like when ice one would have been sufficient that's okay i think think we went too far now i think we just lost some people now so so what do you what do you credit the the offenses and i'm going to use the word what do you credit the offenses impotence to like how how do you 
looks so good for basically three drives. And then, I guess, a fake punt, like, rattles you your offense to the core? I I don't, I mean, like, is momentum, like, that big of a swing? I'll I'll say, just to, to, to kick this bit off... They look like they could not communicate. I don't know what the plan was yep. in order to get the ball snapped. It was something with the guard. Did you? Were you watching the guard uh, moving his arm or something? Was, so was... it looks like the way the signal works is the guard looks back at Foles. Foles does the the leg kick. Then um, the guard flashes an arm to the center, and then the center snaps it because you can't hear anything in the dome. Uh, they looked r- like they were, oh, my God, it's loud here. We can't hear. What should we do? I mean, you know, usually all week you hear when you play the Saints or uh, I guess particularly the Saints, but really any Dome team, like we pumped so much noise into the practice facility to simulate in-game. I didn't really hear a lot of that this week. I did hear that right before the game. But, oh, you did? But that's the only time I heard it. But, like, it was in the very, like – a couple of minutes leading right up to to pregame but uh, literally in the in in that's the kind of thing that you like you said you always hear almost as if like if it didn't really happen they would say it anyway um <laughs> <laughs> uh, do do dome teams have an unfair advantage is it unfair to have a dome I, should I they be saying... banned should we ban domes <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say no to banning domes. Okay. Um, I it gives it gives a bit of character to the league. You know, you know we we've are ready to switch over to baseball season pretty quick right now. And one of the great things about baseball is you know the ballparks are all different. And you don't get that in hockey. Uh, you don't get that in basketball. You get it a little bit in football. And, you know, the dome team question is is one of those. And, yes, the dome team has an advantage up until they go outside. You know, it's always a story when, you know, New Orleans has to play, you know, in, in sub-freezing weather. So, no, I don't think dome teams have a huge advantage. Here's the thing is, what I don't understand is New Orleans has played in Superdome for a long time. And you're not going to convince me that teams like Atlanta and um, Carolina, like those teams haven't figured out some sort of system that is getting around the league as to how to how to communicate the snap. I, like that's the thing that I don't, I don't get. Like it's not like this is new. Like I, how we've innovated so much in football and don't know a good way – to get a clean snap off without having so many line penalties. The Eagles offensive line had been playing the best football of the season the last three weeks. They had not been making these dumb mistakes. And I don't know if you want to credit to the fact that like Jason Peters went out early, but even he, I think got called for a, for a a false start at one point in the, in the game. So these are guys that are professional linemen that they just looked it looked like amateur hour on the line at, at certain parts of the game. And it felt like they could never get into any kind of rhythm. And and if there's one thing that we know about this Eagles team is if the line is not in rhythm, the offense just doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't get running. You can't get Sproles free to run. You can't get holes. Uh, Nick Foles gets rushed uh, and, and mistakes get made. And I, I feel like that's the fundamental thing with, with what happened tonight was the offense could not communicate. And it, it just became a catastrophe well i think the other thing that really stymied the offense was our inability to just have any kind of running game whatsoever I mean, we could not I mean, and we, we were running a lot on first down and it was setting up a lot of uh, second and eights um which is not really great because we had a th- moved moved this into a lot of third and long positions um which could not get anything on the ground it was even worse than the bears game well, that's uh, why so. I, you have to wonder when you've got uh, – basically, it was Smallwood or, or, or Sproles. You know, that's something that we've neglected to talk about because it's been covered up probably for the last month and a half. But, you know, last year when we were in this position, we have Jay Ajayi and uh, uh, LeGarrette Blunt. Like, that's a whole different caliber <laughs> of running difference. game. That is a whole different caliber of running game when you get into December, when you can give a ball to those kind of guys that are bowling balls versus uh, – 
Darren Sproles, who's, uh, I think, 10 pounds heavier than me, which I should not be running behind an offensive line. Yeah, I mean, and that puts a lot of pressure on Foles, and he has no, doesn't really have any option. Um, and and those know. those possessions were quick, man. <laughs> you know, okay. Yeah, a lot of three and outs. And, like, just, I, it was blink and you missed them three and outs. Oh. It was, all right, handoff, one yard, loss, no gain, whatever the hell it was. Uh, incomplete pass, incomplete pass, and we're punting. You know, I would kept my eye out on the. I kept waiting for. All right, we're on our own twenty. It's fourth and eighth, and fourth and Doug. I kept. Yeah. You know, I was yeah. so on. I'm like, but maybe it would have been a good call just to change things up. I mean, it I, would have probably been a touchdown the other way pretty quick. But... Unfortunately, like we were never in a position where he could really realistically even gamble on something like that because we were in the game until so late. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the big decision Doug had. And it was weird because it came so early in the game and it was the I guess it was a holding penalty. So his option is fourth and one or take the penalty and give him and give Breeze another crack at a third and 11. Right. Uh, and he decided to decline the penalty to make a fourth down situation. And I think New Orleans was probably on their own. They were on their own 30 or close to 35. Yeah, yeah. something like that. They were not, they it was not like line. anywhere near field goal range or anything. No. And, then and they it was a long, it was a long one. It was like the full, it was one of those things that like you, you can't even really run a sneak on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes and if they, so that was, and that was right on the heels of the Foles interception, right? Right. Yeah. We, right. Exactly. It was the, 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 the exact, the following drive. So, man, that, I mean, that drive was the whole game right there. The interception, the decision of Doug to uh, decline the penalty, the fake punt, and then there was a fourth and goal that they converted. Right. If any one of those things don't happen, um, we, we may be having a whole different conversation here. Yeah, and and then I think it, and then I think the was it the very next drive that we had that weird fumble that we didn't recover. That then they ended up punting back to us and giving us instead of us having a short field, we had that we had to you know try to drive the length. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember. It was, it was the like very the, next drive. Yeah, it was yeah. very shortly thereafter. Like, but that was it. Like those sequences of things that you know, so many things could have happened. Yeah, if we fall right. on that, if we fall on that fumble. Again, it's like another another conversation that we're having here. So what did you think of Doug's decision to decline the penalty? Did you agree with it at the time? I, did. I agreed with it at the time. Yeah, I, I agreed. Did, did. I agree with it now. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where I no. Can't... Well, now you got to disagree with it. No, now I agree with it more. Like, well, I mean, in in <laughs> retrospect, lost the game it was the oh, wrong decision. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, just because it had the wrong outcome does not make it the wrong decision. Fine. I and wish Doug made the wrong decision there. Well, I do too. Well, then but, he can, but if he if Drew Brees converts to the third and eleven, you know what I mean, which I feel like is way more likely than Sean Payton calling a crazy. Uh, no, you know, I know, no, it, I know you, it was the right decision. Yeah. I just, you know what I mean. Yeah. No. I'm no, mad I, at Sean Payton for making the right decision. That's who I'm angry at. My hindsight's fifteen twenty. Who who calls a fake punt there? That's such an asshole move. That's what Bill well, Belichick would era, do. We're living in the era of asshole coaching moves, by the way. That's yeah, how no, this that era will be known. That is that is absolutely what it is, and I mean, ninety percent of the time we're the we're the coach that ha- we're the coach pulling the asshole move. So I I love it. I, I you know I wouldn't change it, but it really it infuriates you when you're like it. Fe- and at the time, honestly, even when they converted it, and I think we said this, it reeked of desperation. Like you're going to call a fake punt in the first quarter. What's wrong with you? Well, I was actually really optimistic after that whole drive because I turned to. Uh, to Dr. Keith Heck, who I was sitting next to me watching the game. And I said, well, you know, they scored a touchdown, but the good news is, is it took a turnover, uh, you know, a weird penalty decision, a fake punt, a fourth down and 12 minutes to do it. So they put together two 12 minute drives in this game, didn't they? Basically, they ate two quarters because they basically put together, I think, a 12 minute drive in the third quarter, too. They did, yeah. It was like 12 minutes and 91 yards. It was insane. 
Yeah. So. Hey, that's what every every one of these. That's why there's they have a show called Turning Point, and every game has like one moment. So that it, it could break either. So way, with right? Turning Point, you definitely feel like it's going to be if, if if this we were doing Turning Point, it's the it's the punt, right? It's the fake punt that turned the whole game. Yeah, I I would think. It, well, maybe you could say the interception, but yeah, probably the fake punt. I'd be more inclined to say the interception because yeah, interceptions happen, but. If that was caught, we're we're scoring another touchdown, and now instead of being up fourteen, yeah, it's a fourteen points. It's a fourteen point swing from that yeah. turnover, right? Yeah, and but even just momentum wise, of we come in their house yeah. and put up three touchdowns, and if they have the same exact drive, weird shit and all, and yeah, uh, eat up twelve minutes of the clock. Well, what do we care? We just put up, you know, 21 and, you know, Doug's play calling and Nick Foles, you know, gunslinger have been rewarded. And I think they just feed on that. You know, after, you know, after it became 14-7, I was like, I I was a little nervous just because I I felt like we were letting the better team hang around, which we did. (laughs) Um, well, so let's jump to the end of the game. When that field goal missed, were you were you like, all right, this is divine intervention. This is destiny. That's the way I felt. It felt like it because, I mean, they were saying in the pregame or maybe at halftime, but I think it was the pregame, that that Saints kicker was hitting 56 yarders like no problem and looked sharp doing it. So... I felt like that was one of those things that's like preamble to, you know, there's going to be a moment with a long field goal to, to ice a game or win a game or something. So, um, and it, it, it was way off. And I kept saying, I was like, oh my God, here we are. We have, we, it's on a plate. We also, it was the, the right kind of, of amount of time left where you really could theoretically put the game away and just go in and score. If you could, if you could manage the clock correctly you could have plenty of time to go and score yeah. the touchdown and not leave them any time to come back. It was it was it was perfect. You were at the right spot on the field with the right amount of time left with two timeouts. It was all there because you also had the two minute warning to help you. It was all there, and then we got a couple of penalties in that drive. It looked like we really had somehow stumbled into a chance to win the game. So then, I, oh, go ahead. Was well, I, I was a bit agnostic towards the divine inter- intervention because I couldn't believe that like two missed punts in miss uh, miss field goals in key situations because if that, that field goal is made the game is over yep we, we are not scoring twice and I'm like is this really gonna happen like all we need to do is march down the field and score yeah we haven't done it in a while but Nick Foles does this. This is his thing. And I'm I'm already having the debate with myself. I'm like, if Foles does this, like, is there enough, you know, voodoo, enough magic, enough divine intervention to say, like, that's an intangible. We can't get rid of this guy. But I I was certainly wondering. I didn't have faith that we were gonna do it, but I I was real curious and really hopeful. And how many times have we had seen that exact situation done to us this year? Where where oh, yeah. we've had quarterbacks with the, almost the exact same amount of time left that all they need to do is to go down. Like I think back to that Tennessee game or I think back to uh the Carolina game, I think where where it was like, "Oh, damn it." Like we should have had this game won, and somebody came back and was like, finally, this is our chance. This is our time. We've seen it done to us so many times this year. How poetic will it be is if we advance the NFC Championship game after winning a game the way we had lost so many bad games this year? And, and Gene, you nearly went full Goonies there, and I'm a little disappointed <laughs> that you didn't. Like, that up there, that's their time. This this down here, it's ours. So, But, but yeah, no, I, I know that feeling, Gene. I, I had the same thing. So the, the the field goal misses. You know, Saint Nick gets the ball. He's uh, he's driving towards canonization, and <laughs> we get a roughing the passer penalty. We're all going crazy. I'm high fiving Doctor Keith, and um, 
uh, it's like, okay, we're going to fine. It's a two minute warning. We're going to run this thing down. Cause part of me was going, don't score too fast. Like one of those situations. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Score, 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 but please don't do it too quickly because I don't want to leave Drew Brees any time on the clock. And, um, I think maybe the Saints were down to one timeout at that point, or they might not have had any. No, they had one. They had one. They had one. Yeah, so um, that was a concern of mine, and I was like, okay, well, now we're definitely going to let this thing run to the two-minute warning, and I turned away to go get some food, and I heard everyone screaming because there was an interception. Why did we run a play with one second left before the two-minute warning? It didn't make any sense. I think even the commentators were like, all right, well, we're going to see them go down to the two-minute warning. It would make sense to go to the two-minute warning. Um and then all of a sudden they're lined up and they're they're snapping the ball. I, I, I'm sure that it caught ten players on the defense. It may have caught all eleven players on the defense by surprise. Because it may have caught Alshon Jeffrey by surprise. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> because the one guy that it couldn't have caught off surprise uh, by surprise, it definitely did because the ball went right through his hands. I, oh man, Nick Nick put that in there perfectly too. Didn't oh he? God, it was it was all on a plate and it it went literally right through his hands, right through the wickets. And and that defensive back for the Saints just got the best gift. Like it just it just literally just fell right in his lap. Like it deflected in just the right way. And that's God, that is such the quintessential way for this season to end. Because how many times have 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 we had defeat yeah. snatched from the jaws of victory? That's like the way Nick throws an interception, though, too, right? Like that's what happened in the Super Bowl. I think we had one. Um against the bears where, you know, it, yeah. it always seems to have some sort of like fluky deflection. And then there's a defender right there to catch it. Yeah. And if, if, Al, if Alshon catches that we win, right? Like not on that play, but I mean, we're going to win the game. Well, maybe, I mean, we, I still think we would have scored really quickly. And I think there's a great chance that the saints come down and they kick a redemption field goal. I mean, I, but you, you, who knows, right? We'll never know. It would have been fun to watch. It would have been fun to watch. Yeah, I would have, I would have loved to see how that drive played out. Yeah, um, it was but, it was a it was a crazy play. I I would not have if you would the one thing I would have never banked on was that Alshon Jeffrey, especially after watching the left and I don't fault the like I still think he's a great player. You know, weird stuff happens. And to watch him cut like I was literally gutted watching him come off the field and go up to Doug. You could see how much he loves playing on this team because he was distraught. He was emotional. He goes up to Doug and basically had to like weep into his shoulder. Like he was just so, so broken. He, he did not want like the last, that's the last guy you want to see a play like that happen to, you know, a guy who's been so rock steady. He's got the best hands, probably top five in the league. I'd say he's bebop and rock steady. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, and I mean he he took it on the chin. He did the whole post game thing. He's he's out there apologizing to Philadelphia, like totally unnecessarily. I mean this this loss is not on him, no. uh, and you could like Eagles Twitter is like super supportive. <laughs> like, it's it's weirdly odd. supportive, yeah. Yeah, just like, like that loss to Dallas was not on Russell Douglas. You know what I mean, like. People give Philadelphia fans a bad rap, but like we're not stupid. Like we do. Uh, it's know. a pretty fair group. Yeah, like I mean. we know, you know, and we certainly respect. Except you know, the people that are blaming Jim Schwartz for this loss. Well, I mean, those I've people seen are, that. Yeah, oh God, those people are stupid. Like There's that people is on dumb. TV blaming Jim Schwartz. They're like people that get paid to analyze football. Like we do this, you know with our spare time, but there's people that are actually professionals that get paid to analyze football that are blaming Jim Schwartz for this loss. And it's like ridiculous. Wait, is, are any of them former governors of Pennsylvania? (laughs) (laughs) No, they're former players from the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, anybody who watched post game live today can, uh, can let you'll know about that. Yeah. I, I avoided the post game at all costs. I had no interest. I'm like, all right, well, I'll see what the hell's going on like halfway through uh, the AFC championship game next week. No, I was on Gov Watch and yeah. the, uh, on the post game. <laughs> well, thank God sure. one of us was. We had to make sure that he was still wearing his jacket. <laughs> uh, and he indeed was wearing the same jacket with a new, fresh, weak layer of dandruff on it. <laughs> 
so so maybe we can we can button up uh, our football discussion here with the last couple of minutes yeah. with yeah. who do you root for going forward? What what a you, you know what what do you want to see happen with the rest of the season? Are you t- are you checking out? Do you not care about the NFL from now on? Are you all in for the other three? What what's what's the temperature? Well, I'm a little. Um, this is kind of tied to my penalty box this week, so I don't really want to divulge too much. But I'm hands. rooting for the Chiefs. I'm also uh, rooting for the Chiefs. Um, I will. I will have the games on around. I won't be devoted to watching them, but. You know, it's it's a big deal to see who's going to the Super Bowl. So, you know, I'll be keeping an eye on them and, you know, having my rooting interests. But but, you know, Super Bowl time comes, you know, it's special day. It's special game. I'm going to watch, you know, that from beginning to end. It's championship Sunday. You got to watch the the thing that is intriguing to me is really, I think, the best game that's left, no matter how it all shakes out, is going to be Andy Reid versus Belichick. Um, Yeah. So like that has got some juice for me. I'm certainly pulling for Andy. Uh, and if if for some reason you know the hoodie and 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 the goat get by and and they go to the Super Bowl, like it's gonna be real hard for me to get up for a Rams Patriots Super Bowl again. Like I just don't. I well, just don't, don't worry. Don't worry. The Rams aren't gonna be there. I just don't think that that's gonna make me feel good. Uh, you know, and it's hard for me that. as much as I like Drew Brees. As much as I didn't like him tonight, but as much as I like Drew Brees generally, uh, yeah, I, I hate, hate Sean Sean Payton so much. So. <laughs> It's like God, you know, especially with that all that nonsense, and and I don't want to. And I don't Alvin wanna, Kamara too. I don't like Alvin. Kamara. Yeah, and I don't want to cut too much into my penalty box, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're all saving it for the for the end. You of the brought show. this shit up, G. I know, but <laughs> wasn't so, even on the outline. <laughs> <laughs> the outline was too tear stained for G to make out. <laughs> But yeah, no, I think that we can all agree, and I think that if you were to poll a majority of Philadelphia fans, and I don't know that they would have always felt this way, but I feel like a lot of us are all in for Big Red again. I feel like Andy yeah. Reid is, 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 has won his way back kind of into our hearts, and the the only thing that we wanted to see more uh, than the Eagles win is probably to see Andy Reid get a ring. Yep. So I guess that'll close out our Eagles coverage for right now. I mean, we're going to have – we're going we're gonna to talk about the Eagles more in the – coming weeks if not later on this week right we got to talk about who who's staying who's going who do we want to get in here and any changes to the coaching staff and all all that stuff and draft who we got to draft and all that so uh, there's no such thing as the offseason when uh, in, with no, eagles football, so just always, it just won't headline the show yeah maybe as not, much may not open but yeah. it'll always be here so let's move on because gene i like your hoodie that you're wearing and i like your hat so Thanks, because we immediately threw on Philly's gear. I guess <laughs> literally as soon as the like as soon as it the eulogy was read and and uh, and they started going to to shake hands and set at, at the middle of the field, I was already into my closet putting on my Philly's my Philly's hoodie and and into my red man. I was hey, ready to turn the page. Many, guess how many days it is until pitchers catchers report? Not nearly as m- many as I'd like it to be, but. Or, I don't know because it's still TBD. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I always think Valentine's Day. That's all. Yeah, 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 most yeah. teams that have announced it's either the 13th or the 14th. Yeah, so it's we got a couple mid-tumor. weeks until pitchers and catchers. So some of these big name free agents got to start making decisions. And I just got an alert on my phone at 10:55. Manny Machado White... has signed. What's that? Manny Machado signed. No, but it does involve Manny Machado. The White Sox have made an eight-year uh, offer to Manny Machado. So evidently he's sitting on uh, a White Sox offer, a Phillies offer, and a mystery team right now. Mystery team. Yeah, which means which Yankees, translates right? into agent bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the last time I heard that mystery team agent bullshit, we were the mystery team agent bullshit. Oh, who do we get? Wasn't that, that Cliff, Cliff wasn't that Cliff Lee? Weren't we the mystery team? I think you're were right. We? Yeah. Hmm. No, but this time it really is agent bullshit. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there was there was a lot. So let's talk about the about baseball. Let's talk about the Phillies. It was the other thing that people were talking about around me at least all week. Uh, what was the what was the vibe that you guys got? Did you really think that by the time the the, the show opened today that we would be talking about Bryce Harper as a Philly? I I, I did. 
I did. I thought I thought this weekend was going to be like a Sixers win, sign Bryce Harper, and then you know Eagles and maybe Manny Machado also signs with the Phillies. Because I am now like. And then 70. Boston sinks into some kind of like bottomless pit, like just to really complete the entire. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm thinking like so. If you, if you take a pie chart, right? I think it is like all right. So seventy five percent, three quarters of the pie is we get Bryce Harper, right? So that's where I'm at right now. Then the there's so twenty five percent left. I think twenty percent of that is we sign Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Wow. And then 5% um, is that we don't get either. That's, I guess this is the last option. That's crazy. Do you think that there's some sort of like posturing where one of them is do – do you think we have to give them the exact same contract so that they don't – one of them doesn't feel slighted? So that they both come out with 10 million, 10-year, 300 million dollar contracts and they can both be like, we're both the best? No, because I think that there's probably, I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. It's whatever their agents. Because really don't you think like there's a lot of ego with these, particularly these two guys? It feels like they they both of these guys really want to be the one that's like I'm the I'm the guy. I got the big contract. So I you want to give them a tie, like well, I feel, you guys in both order get for them the same contract. You both announce on the same day, so no one had it first. I feel like that's the only way we get both. Like I, I, I'm, and this is literally just me who knows nothing, just spouting nonsense. But that that's kind of the vibe I get. The only other thing I could think of is that if, and this is a Machado thing, if he really has his heart set on New York, maybe, maybe he'd be willing to to take a little bit. Of, I just feel like the Phillies are going to pay whichever one they get the most money. I feel like that that's. They have the the capability to offer the most money. Although one of the reports I read is that the Phillies are, are no longer going to spend crazy money; that they're looking to pay market value. But how in God's name do you know what market value is on these two guys? They're, I don't know that there's ever been any kind of situation where two guys like this could command the contract that they want. And I think both of them want ten year deals, and I don't know that anybody's going to actually do ten years. Yeah. Well, whatever the Phillies pay or whatever anyone pays them is market value. There are no comparables. Like. Like, you know, you know, maybe when Trout, it, you know, if Trout hits free agency, um, sorry, we'll change it back to when, but when Trout hits free agency, there might be some more yeah. recent comparables, but it, it, it's it been a little bit since you've had the, I don't know, I, I value Harper so much more than Machado, and I feel like I feel like that's the consensus, but I could be wrong. I feel like it's a clear 1A, 1B sort and they, of thing. And they've both been in the league for so long, it seems. Not a long, but they've both been, they're both established in the league, but still both so young. And I feel like that's the, the thing that makes it such a strange circumstance. Most of the time with, with guys like this, you're not used to seeing guys that are 25 or 26. Because now you're talking 10 years, they're only 35. Yes, I know. You're still an effective player. Look at, look at McCutcheon right now. I mean, you, you, he may not be worth the you know the contract at the end, but it's still going to be productive. It's and they're not these uh, like hulking first basemen or catchers that are going to um, wear down or slow down. Obviously, everyone slows down a little bit, but they won't be useless baseball players, right? Like yeah. Howard was at the end of his career, or you know, and you can look like at a guy like Chase Utley, who absolutely probably earned every dollar of his his contracts. You know what I mean? Like that's the, and this is what you're you're talking about. You're talking about guys that are, are are these type of you know maybe not the same mentality of player, but the same type of impact player. Real quick, I I just love Gene that you had to step in. The fact that like maybe not the same mentality of like I need to put this out there that no one can misunderstand what I'm saying that Manny Machado has the same work ethic as Chase Utley. I don't think Bryce Harper does either. Just for the record. I- I, I don't think anybody does. I mean, <laughs> I think I think Chase Utley's out there right now taking ground balls. Like, but I, I love that clarification because I I knew one hundred percent where it was coming from. It was like May Machado is not Chase Utley. So you guys have been following this um, Bryce Harper meeting in Vegas on Twitter, huh? Yay! Yes. yes. 
yeah. don't know why I'm talking oddly. Why yeah, is, we, we, we were why all is, hitting refresh. <laughs> why is Greg Luzinski uh, the one giving so much information about? Is he involved in this process somehow? I mean, he doesn't have anything else to do. Bulls Barbecue's closed. But like, you know what I'm talking about? He's just available. He likes to. I know that he's he, he seems like he's probably a Vegas guy. Maybe he's got a house out there and just, <laughs> was just around. So Greg was two days ago. Greg Luzinski tweets Harper signing, picking up sat is the day we make out move. I think he means make our move. Uh, Middleton is going to OK the deal on Saturday and OK the spending for a great period hitter period. Harper's on his way. Then um, yesterday, he writes, Las Vegas, the plane has landed. And today, he tweets out a picture of Bryce Harper wearing a Phillies uniform, which is obviously photoshopped. I don't, I don't <laughs> think he knows any more than any, any of the rest of us. Like, I could have tweeted that exact same sequence, and I, and I haven't left my house in two days. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, also, his account is not verified. <laughs> do you think that there's a fake a fake bull no i think it's really him i just uh, i i don't know where, why he's so involved i don't know they should well, what they should have done is they should have gotten pat burrell i feel like he would have been a much more much better spokesperson for this sort of deal <laughs> yeah pat would be like bryce you remind me of myself 20 years ago but way more talented and married <laughs> <laughs> Might I recommend changing one of those things? Have you ever heard of City? Aisle. <laughs> well, I mean, even like it's it's just this buzz that's out there, and there's no hard facts to it. After the Eagles lost, like the official MLB Twitter, like at MLB. Don't worry, Philly fans. Your week could get a lot better with a picture of Bryce Harper and Manny Pachado. The, wait, like, the, wait, at MLB tweeted that? Yeah, at 7.56 tonight. Don't worry, Philly fans. Your week could get a lot better. So the MLB picture... is now trolling us? No, everybody <laughs> is hinting like they know something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got Nightingale out there, uh, USA Today, saying that you know we're the clear-cut favorites now everybody like oh bryce harper was so impressed at the meeting and oh uh, john middleton was so impressed with bryce harper and everybody's just super impressed and his wife was so pretty i'm <laughs> impressed are you guys impressed so impressed so impressed but yeah milton was creepy about the wife it's like she's really nice you know <laughs> Wait, would you care to talk about Bryce as a, as a ball player? I hear he's a good husband, and that wife deserves Did that. Did you um, have you guys seen? I recently watched uh, Moneyball again, and the uh, when the scouts are talking, and um, the, the one guy he's, like, oh, he's, he's got an ugly girlfriend. He's like, what does it mean? He's got an ugly girlfriend. It means he lacks confidence. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you're David Mon- uh, not David Montgomery. I don't think he's involved in anything. John Middleton. If you're Middleton and Clentac, before you're getting ready to go out to Vegas, you can call one Philly player or one Philly Philly like ambassador ambassador to take with you. Who's who's the call you're making? Who are you bringing with you? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I I would probably take J Roll because I think he kind of um. I, I think he's seen all sides of it, you know? Yeah. I, I'd go to, uh, back to Pat the Bat just because he signed, you know, a huge contract and everyone was like, all right, give the kid a break, give a kid a break, give the kid a break, up to the point, you know, he was a bum for like two years and then it was our favorite veteran, Pat Burrell, finally coming through. Like, he got the smoothest ride in Philadelphia history. Yeah, what about you, Jamie? Who are you calling her? And I think that this may have been the actual who they actually called. I, I think after watching the All-Star game, Harper and Reese seem like they're really, really tight. And I know that he's kind of a currently on the on the team kind of guy, but they seemed like really, really good buds. Like they seemed real chummy. So I think that for, for especially for the Harper meeting, like take his buddy Reese out there with him. 
uh, if I was going to go and dig back to the past, uh, and see, and- I would be worried about that um, because I, you know, I don't necessarily know if I want anyone to actually tell them the truth about the current Phillies. <laughs> Uh, clubhouse or management situation because that strangely enough like my, my, the other call that if if reese isn't available uh if he's taking batting practice or something i, I think i call uncle charlie oh yeah that's good one. well but you can't trust what what charlie Manuel's gonna say he he might be the guy that comes like oh bryce they're gonna love you but not the way Gabe Kapler plays you. When Gabe Kapler messes up all your statistics, you're going to get booed. I didn't, I didn't what know is that, this impression, Chuck? I didn't know that Uncle Charlie was, was from Song of the South. Like, I mean, granted, I've never seen Song of the South, but I imagine that that's what it sounds like. You're not like. allowed to see that movie. <laughs> it, yes, it did become a bit Foghorn Leghorn, and I don't know where that came from. Well, look at here, Bryce. <laughs> Oh, it's too hot today, Bryce. Too hot. <laughs> What's that? I mean, oh, you broke out yet another impression that's your Charlton Heston. <laughs> or, or, sorry, more your Clint Eastwood. Just talk through your teeth. <laughs> okay, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, speaking of, speaking of Moneyball, when I was watching Moneyball, I was just thinking, like, yeah, this is this is Kapler's like pregame, like get pumped up for the season movie, like analytics movie where he just gets the the bottle of coconut oil and then pops in Moneyball on the, the DVD player, settles in February thirteenth, Valentine's so- Day tomorrow, pitchers and catchers. It's all perfect, and he feels like he seems like the type of guy that like would have actually Brad Pitt come over to do like live commentary on the DVD as he's watching it, and and Kapler looks like he probably still uses DVDs Brad, and has an upgrade. Brad, help me with my stretches, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> We've got okay. cats of thousands on the show tonight. Anything else <laughs> on the fightings we want to talk about? As soon as they do something, we'll have an episode. I promise. All right. Well, you know what that means? Do you know what that means? It means it's time for Chuck's penalty box. <laughs> very, very understated introduction, Gene. Yes, it's Chuck's <laughs> penalty box. And apparently we had two preview er, uh, previews earlier, and I don't know who to start with. So that means I start with Dave, since you called it first. Dave, what is your penalty box? Okay, my penalty box. Uh, I'm I'm gonna put in Philadelphia Eagles fans who are actively rooting against Andy Reid in the playoffs in this day and age. I think that's all fine. That's all fine. And before we won a Super Bowl, but you got to let it go now. And intellectually, you have to understand that Andy Reid was probably the best coach in Eagles history. And, you know, if a couple of things went differently, there would be statues erected to him uh, outside the stadium. I mean, they would be big, giant statues, uh, but they would, in fact, be erected. uh, And we would all, you know look very fondly on the time that Andy Reid was here. So I, I think you got to let it go now. You got to root for Big Red. He's a good dude. Uh, and uh, he's better than the evil empire. He's better than this prick Sean Payton. And um, I don't know about McVay, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> go, Andy. And, and if you're still holding on to Andy Reid hate, you got to let it go. Go take some yoga or meditate or something. Okay, so if you got a problem with Big Red, Dave's got a problem with you. Uh, we're going to give you a five-minute major for lot not letting bygones be bygones. And Dave, I got to call out the kind of subtle fat joke of like building a statue. <laughs> It'd be a big statue, lots of lots of bronze going into that but uh it'd be a big statue uh gene gene who is going into your uh penalty box i'm gonna put sean payton into the 
penalty box, and this is before the game even started tonight, his way to motivate his team was World Series of Poker style, rolling in a giant box of money and the Lombardi Trophy. And he said, you all want this? You got to go out and win. Yeah, we get it. But is that really the kind of motivation that we want in this day and age in the NFL? This is the guy who lost an entire season of his coaching career because of putting bounties on players. And this is how he's still motivating everybody with cash. Come on. You can do better than that, Sean Payton. You're a much better football mind than just throwing money at at, at, at defensive backs. So I'm putting him in the penalty box because I think that's a terrible way to motivate people. You know what Doug Peterson did? He gave people ice cream. That's a way better way to motivate people. That's how I get motivated. Oh, wait, is that true? I don't know if that's true or not, but... the the cash? ice cream. I, I think so. I, I, I don't know if he was joking. I think like the quote was something like they asked uh, Doug uh, what he thought about it, and he's like, I just gave people ice cream, um, which is a very Doug thing to say. Does Nico have any pictures of rookies carrying that ice cream back to the locker room? I wish. That would be great. Screw Sean Payton. Okay, so Sean Payton's going into the penalty box. His penalty will be a fine uh, for excessive showmanship. It's going to be $50,000 paid all in ones, just like the way the cash was brought in. Oh, they were all ones with like 20s wrapped around them? No, they're ones on the outside, too. Like They're like vacuum sealed, like ready to go back to the bank. Lame. Like... Or, or it could just be like, look how much money you could waste at the strip club. Like, it's all here. It's all ready. I got your backstage passes. I feel like they missed an opportunity to have a giant check. Whenever you have the option to have a giant check, you should have a giant check. <laughs> the reanimated corpse of Ed McMahon and the giant check. Oh, yeah. I forgot he died. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? Uh, in my penalty box is not a... Uh, NFL coach. I didn't get the memo. That's what we were doing. Uh, in my penalty box is Sam Carcitti, uh, the Flyers beat writer um, for uh, Philadelphia Daily News, I believe. And his penchant for posting just jokes. They're not political. <laughs> They're not political. They're just jokes. People need to learn to laugh. He did twice in one week. And I'm going to butcher the poor uh, new congresswoman's name, uh, Alexandria uh, Casia Cortez or Cortez. Uh, The first one was like, oh, we're, we're, you know, it's such a bad week. Here's something to lighten everybody up. And it was some really a millennial joke, but like some joke at her expense. And then, you know, he got crap for it. And he said, it's not political. It's just. It's just comedy. It's not political. And then he did a joke about Trump building a wall around the Cowboys or something, holding up that bill that he held up once upon a time. It's political, Sam. You, you can't escape it in this day. And I'm not telling you not to be political. Just, just own it. Like you can't keep posting like these semi, <laughs> like these semi Republican things and going. It's not political hmm. and then look at all the comments the comments are atrocious like like not just not just i disagree with him politically these are these are the real like pepe 4chan QAnon people <laughs> like who are just like yeah sam tell the libs those social justice warriors i'm like dude give it up they weren't funny to begin with find a new line of humor stop being everybody's dad on facebook so, um, for Sam Carcitti, I'm giving him four years now that Mueller's after him. <laughs> it's just a joke. I'm not political. Why does this like political stuff happen with the Flyers? It wasn't gritty politicized uh, earlier this year. It's like a liberal symbol or something like that. <laughs> yes, the like, like uh, Antifa non-binary anarchist or something that's uh, that's looks what what gritty means to me he's saying gritty screaming at nazis <laughs> i'm always down for people screaming at nazis so but if gritty had a voice what do you think it would sound like <laughs> rather dopey <laughs> like, like um and like i only the know seven this dwarf from... dopey what's what like the seven dwarf dopey 
No, I was more thinking like uh, Davy from like Date or Goliath from Davy and Goliath. I only know from some. Hey, everybody, it's Gritty. <laughs> How's your day going? Oh, really? I think he'd have like a much more like Crypt Keeper esque. <laughs> See, I was thinking like, like a high pitched, like, <laughs> I'm Gritty. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was thinking like Harry Belafonte from uh, from from uh, Beetlejuice when 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 the the plants and soup start singing at them. That's that's all I can hear is like you know some kind of like island man like singing along when I see Gritty. <laughs> oh man, wow. we have some the very me banana of Gritty's voice. Oh my goodness, <laughs> we we have to do an all. We're worried about content, you know, after football and before baseball. I think an all gritty impression show might be called for. Oh my lord! I think that's on that note, I think on that note, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna end today's episode. So that's all the time we have for today. Uh, this is your weekly reminder to please check out the Whip Around, our sister show. I'm gonna be on it this week, so uh, make sure you download on uh, on Wednesday. Um, that'll be a good time. Also, please remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us on all of those platforms at Potadelphia. Um, and please, if you uh, could find some time in your busy day to give us a five-star review on iTunes, we would really appreciate it. It helps other people find the show. And uh, I guess we'll see you next week. Have a great day at work, everybody. 